Randy, good job. John chapter 12. We'll look at the first 11 verses together. I think it's important that on occasion, periodically, every so often in our spiritual journey, we ask ourselves the question, why do we do what we do? I've um, thought a lot about motivation this past week. I have kind of whittled it down to something that's very, very simple. We are either motivated by self or we're motivated by Jesus. Really, that's all there is for the believer. And it's important that we understand that and that we're able to evaluate ourselves in regard to that truth. We're either motivated by self or we're motivated by Jesus. We either do what we do because of self-desires or we do what we do because it's what Jesus calls us to do and what would please Him uh, with our lives. We're going to be in the 12th chapter of John, as I said, we're skipping over to that uh, in, in recognition of uh, Palm Sunday today and Easter Sunday next week. We're going to go back and uh, finish up the fourth chapter of John as, uh, after our Easter services are done. I'm excited about what we're going to learn in the Gospel of John. But this is a neat, neat experience in the life of Jesus and those who were so very close to him those who Jesus loved so much and those who loved Jesus so much. And I thought it would be valuable for us. Uh, this uh, experience occurs just before Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a cult for Palm Sunday. It's just before what we have come to know as Passion Week. It's an interesting time in the life of Jesus, and I think it's a valuable time in the life of Jesus, and what we learn from it can be a valuable time in our own spiritual journey. He enters into Jerusalem on Sunday, on Monday. He visits the temple, preparing for the Passover feast. He uh, gets, becomes angry as he is seeing his father's house misused. He expresses that anger by cleansing the temple. Uh, on Tuesday is a day of teaching. It's when he teaches about the parable of the fig tree. You want to have some fun this week? Uh, go to the scripture and look at the parable of the fig tree and try to figure that went out, but Jesus teaches about that parable. Most scholars believe that Wednesday was a day of rest for Jesus. Thursday was a very important day during Passion Week. It's really Thursday about 6 p.m. that is the beginning of their Passover celebration. Their day begins at 6 p.m. in the evening. So 6 p.m. Thursday is actually their Friday and the beginning of their Passover celebration. But Thursday was a day of wonderful, incredible teaching of our Lord to those who were his closest followers. John chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, all of that uh, has this incredible teaching of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at that verse by verse in the days ahead. Of course, uh, Thursday evening or Friday to, um, to Jesus and to the Jewish people was uh, a Passover celebration, a, a singing of a hymn, a praying of Jesus demonstrating his love uh, for his disciples. It was uh, a time of prayer, the priestly prayer of Jesus when he prays on our behalf to God the Father. It was, uh, it was it, during that time that there was an arrest, that there were trials, and of course Friday is the day that our Lord gave his life for you and for me. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The dying of Jesus, the death of Jesus was absolutely critical. It was necessary. There's no other way that we could have a relationship with God outside of the death of Jesus Christ on that cross. 
Without his death on that cross, our sins cannot be dealt with. And if our sins are not dealt with, we cannot have a relationship with God. You understand, don't you, that God is a holy God. And unless our sin is dealt with, we can't know him. We can't interact with him. We can't have relationship with him. We can't have fellowship with him. The only way is for a sinless and perfect son of God, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and shed his blood. We'll celebrate that this coming week. All throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, he wants us to be sure and understand that his ways aren't like our ways. That his message is not the message of the world. He says stuff like this in the 8th chapter of Mark. Whoever wishes to save his life must lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Jesus says, you want to live, you need to die. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, he who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life for my sake saves it for life eternal. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The message of Jesus is very, very clear, and I think it's very, very simple. That if we want to be a follower of Jesus Christ... We have to give him all that we are and all that we have. Now, the neat thing about that is he's worthy of that. He's worthy of us giving him all that we have and all that we are. It's what our time of worship has been about this morning. What a great God we have. He's, he's worthy. It's our understanding of, of Him being worthy of all that we have, of all that we can do, of all that we are. He's worthy. He's worthy. It's, it, it, it's that idea that determines why we do what we do. In that is our motivation. Our understanding of that is our motivation. Our application of that in our lives is our motivation. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's not my desires. It's His desires. It's not what I want to do, it's what He wants me to do. He's worthy of that. We walk the walk, you know. It becomes very, very normal for us and we forget that we are, we are worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. We're worshiping God who is worthy. We should be reminded that He is worthy. This, this experience in John chapter 12 is a beautiful picture to me of some people who understand the worth of the Savior. And their response to understanding His worth is a response of worship. Let's look at it together. John chapter 12, beginning in the first verse. Six days before the Passover. The Passover was on Friday. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany. Bethany is located about two miles, that's all, outside the city of Jerusalem. They came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they gave a dinner for Jesus there. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him around the table. That was a time of fellowship for the two of them. Mary, therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. 
But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray Jesus, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? John adds a little commentary here where he says, He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus responds, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me, he said. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus was dead. Now he's alive. Folks, that'll always draw a crowd. Right? But what we need to understand this morning is that's my testimony too. And for many of you, that's your testimony. Once I was dead, now I'm alive. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was lost, but now I am found. That'll draw a crowd too. Just as in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. When God performs His supernatural acts, His miracles, when He transforms lives, when He takes one from death into life, people are drawn to that. They're interested in that. And so it was here in the physical that there was a large crowd of Jews that learned that Jesus was there in Bethany in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so they came, not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now we hear about the chief priests. They hear about this great crowd that is gathered. And the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well as Jesus. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And so here we have the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we have Jesus in the home. And we have the disciples, Judas there, and the disciples. And we have a large crowd of people outside. And we have the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They're there as well here. Bethany's just two miles from Jerusalem. And we ask ourselves the question, each of these different Groups of people, they have a different response to the presence of Jesus, and we ask ourselves the question, why do they do what they do? What is their motivation? I want to suggest to you that Martha and Lazarus and Mary were, 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 were those who loved Jesus. I mean, they had experienced the reality of the power of Jesus in their lives. They were there. It hadn't been very long ago, maybe as much as a week, maybe two weeks, where Jesus had come and raised Lazarus from the dead. They knew he was real. They knew he was God. They loved him, not for what he did, but because of who he was. They understood the deity of Jesus. They understood that he was creator. They understood that he was the Savior. They loved him for who he was. And that love for Jesus is manifest in their their response to him and the way that they treat him and the way they act. I would say that their love for Jesus is manifest in their worship of Jesus. All three of them, we see them worshiping in different ways. Martha's there and she worships by serving. Lazarus is there and he worships by by intimacy with Jesus, by fellowship with Jesus, by 
by being a witness of the power of Jesus in a life. I, I don't know what they talked about. The Bible doesn't tell us what Lazarus spoke on that day, but, but, but you'd agree with me, wouldn't you? They had some stuff to talk about, Lazarus and Jesus. I mean, Lazarus was in a tomb for four days. Jesus knew that he was going to be in a tomb for three. I wonder if Jesus went, hey, Lazarus, tell me how was that? What was that? What was that? There's no, there was no one else on the face of the earth that Jesus could talk to about being in a tomb, right? Oh, I see in their interaction and in their fellowship an incredible amount of intimacy and love, but I see also in Lazarus that, that he was this incredible witness to the power of God. Mary worshiped too. Her worship was a, a worship of, of giving extravagantly. They were motivated by a love for Jesus. The motivation of Judas, and we look at this account in Matthew and Mark, we, we know that the disciples are included in, in their grumbling. The motivation of Ju Ju Judas was, was selfishness, wasn't it? I mean, that's what it had to be. The Bible says in John chapter 12 that it was because of this incidence that Judas went to the chief priest and said, how much are you going to pay me to turn him over to you? Selfish. What's in this for me? The motivation of the crowd, I think, was curiosity. They wanted to see this guy who had raised Lazarus from the dead. They wanted to see Lazarus, probably wanted to touch him. I, I, I think that, that, that a lot of people's motivation when it comes to spiritual things is curiosity. Who is this Jesus? Is he real? Is, is he who he says he is? Is he, is he who that other people tell me that he is? Does he have the power to transform? Does, what can he do? I want to see. I want to go. That's why, folks, it's so important that we be a witness for Jesus. That people be able to see Jesus in our lives. That we're bold in telling people about the transformation that we've experienced in our own lives because of the power of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the involvement of Jesus in our lives. It's so very important. People are drawn to that. We serve a God who does the supernatural naturally. It's normal for Him to do the abnormal. It's normal for Him to do the miraculous. It's normal for Him to do the supernatural. Does that... Do you identify with that at all? Is, is that a picture of your life at all? Or are you used to the supernatural in your life? That's the realm in which our Savior works. The crowd was curious. What about the priests? They acted out of what kind of motivation? I think probably fear. Who is this guy? The people are leaving us and following him. He's going he's to take away our power. He's going to take away our authority. He's going to take away our influence. Why do they do what they do? Why do you do what you do? Mary gives this incredible expression of love when she breaks open this ointment and she pours it on Jesus' feet and the response of Judas and the other disciples was, wow, what a waste. Folks, here's the point. That any life spent in selfless devotion to Jesus is never wasted. Why? Because He is worthy. He's worthy of all that we are, 
of all that we have. So we, we say, Lord, I, 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 I want my life to represent selfless devotion to you. If we look at Mary as an example of selfless devotion, we can learn some things about how, what that's going to look like in our lives. You ought to jot these things down. Here's one thing. Selfless devotion is costly. It's going to cost you in different areas of your life. It's even going to cost you financially. This, this ointment, this pure nard, as it's described in the Scripture, was a perfume that was very, very rare in those days. It was imported from India. And the Bible teaches us, or at least it was the disciples' assessment, that it was worth a whole year's salary. Now for some of you, you're thinking, wow, $15,000, that's a lot of money. And some of you are thinking, wow, $100,000, that's a lot of money. Some of you are thinking more. Some of you are thinking less. That doesn't really matter. The point is, it was a year's salary. It was a year's wages. And Mary's devotion was so great that she was willing to give everything that she had. She knew, we see it in her actions, that Jesus was worthy of all that she could give. All that she could give. He's worthy and even more. I thought about that. I kind of meditated on that. And in my mind crept that old hymn that I love so much when I survey the wondrous cross. Listen to these words. Were the whole realm of nature mine, it would be a present far too small. Because love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Jesus is worthy. What would we have done in that same situation when we had this expensive ointment perfume on the shelf and Jesus was in our home? I know that if we took that and sold it and gave 10% to Jesus, we would think to ourselves, we have done well. And that's probably what a lot of us would have done. Uh, some, I'm sure, would have said, well, that's not, you know, that's not my regular salary, so, I don't, you know, so I'll sell it and keep all of it. The point is, Jesus is worthy of all that we can do. He's worthy of all that we have. He's worthy of all that we are. I wonder if you might ask yourself the question, as I have asked myself this week, does your devotion to the Lord cost you anything financially? We talk about not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. It ought to cost us. That's the definition of sacrifice, right? It costs you something. Oh, that we would just understand equal sacrifice if others saw how you spend and how you handled your finances would they conclude from that wow that person must love Jesus a lot the reality is is that is that selfless devotion to Jesus is going to cost you something one of the things it'll cost you is it'll cost you financially it'll cost you materially I want to suggest to you that it, it's probably going to cost you socially too in your relationship with other people. This, this, this taking this ointment and washing Jesus' feet was, was unusual in that day. It's what, the, what, what the, the lowliest servant was forced to do as part of his duties. 
It wouldn't have been unusual if she had dipped a little of the perfume and anointed Jesus' head. The point is this, is that washing his feet with this perfume was an incredible act of humility. And then to let her hair down and to dry his feet with, with her hair was taking humility to a whole nother level. I, I wonder if Mary was going, I wonder what people are thinking about me doing this. I, I, I wonder what their thoughts are. Because we ought to identify with, with that. That's a question we ask ourselves, Right? If I should invite someone to the Easter service, if I should share my testimony with someone, if I should tell someone how, how great our God is, what will people think? That didn't seem to go through Mary's mind. She kind of tossed public opinion to the wind. She let her hair down and she washed Jesus' feet because He's worthy of that. Do you treasure Jesus more than pride? It's a hard question. I'm not as bold as I should be. I've got to use those experiences in my life to ask myself and to evaluate if, I, if I'm valuing Him, if I'm treasuring Him more than pride. If people think that you're a fanatic, is that, is that more important to you than what Jesus thinks? That seemed to be the, the focus of Mary. Her focus was on Him. Yes, there was a crowd outside the door. There was the disciples. There was her brother and sister. They were all there. But she seemed to be totally devoted on Him. Jesus. And all we see in this life of Mary is that she found Him to be worthy of everything that she had. He is worthy. It'll cost you financially, it'll cost you socially. I think it's going to even cost you some criticism. I mean, we see that in Mary, right? It was the church folk who said, have you lost your mind? What are you thinking? That could be sold and given to the poor. If you give yourself to Jesus without reserve, you're going to be criticized too. And the sad thing is, a lot of it's going to come from the church folk. Have you lost your mind? Is that the best way to spend your money? Are you sure? Have you thought about Have you prayed about that? It could come from your own family when you devote yourself to Jesus, when you selflessly give yourself to Jesus. Folks, there, there are, are story after story after story after story of missionaries who have felt God's call on their lives to go and to serve. And people have said, I don't know if that's the best use of your giftedness. Think about what you could do with your giftedness here. There are people, there are missionaries who have gone and they have died on the mission field. And you know why they do that? Because he's worthy. There are missionaries that have gone into the mission field and they have labored for years and years and years and decades and decades and decades and not seen one person come to know Christ as Savior. And they would do it all again. You know why? Because he's worthy. Because they're doing it for him. Because their motivation, the reason they're doing what they're doing is to honor Him, to worship Him, to praise Him. They're doing it for Him. 
That's what selfless devotion to Jesus is all about. I think of Jeremiah, the prophet, the Old Testament prophet. Incredible, incredible story. God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to go tell the people that I am the one true God. There is no other God but me. I want you, will you go, Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, I'll go. And God said to him, well, I need need you to know nobody's going to listen to you. And Jeremiah went and told the people that there was only one true God and nobody listened to him. Why did he do that? Because he's worthy. Do you see the difference in doing it for someone and doing it for him? Do you see the, 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 how it impacts the results of your effort? You can go this week and you can find someone and you can say, boy, I'd love it if you'd come celebrate Easter with me at church. Why don't you come with me? If you do that for them... They might say to you, look, you're some fanatic. I like you, but I don't like your Jesus. I don't want to know anything about your Jesus. I'm not interested in your Easter service, and I'm not interested in coming to church. Well, if you're doing it for them, you failed. But if you're doing it for him, that's success. That puts a smile on his face. We've got to learn how to be selflessly devoted to Jesus, but we need to also understand that it might cost us financially, it might cost us some criticism, it might cost us socially. We also need to understand that selfless devotion stems from personal love and gratitude. That's where it comes from. Love for Jesus motivated Mary, and our love for Jesus should be, listen, the primary motivating factor in our lives. Our love for Him. That's the heart. That comes from the inside. That means that what I do, or that why I do what I do, I do because I love him. Do you understand that? I don't do anything so he will love me more. I do what I do, why I do what I do is because I love him. And so I don't go to church So he'll love me more, I'll be in better standing with him, and I don't tell others, and I don't give, and I don't serve, and I I do those things, it's just motivated by love. If you love, you can't not do those things. If you love him, you can't not do those things. You can do those things and not love him. But you can't love him and not do those things. That's selfless devotion it comes out of a love relationship with him the psalmist david here's how he says it lord and this is a little bit of a paraphrase lord you don't it's not sacrifice that you delight in it's not the it's not burn offerings that you take pleasure in what you want is a broken spirit and a pure heart what you want is my unselfish devotion what you want is me You want my love. Hey, folks. Selfless devotion flows out of a personal love and gratitude. It flows out of knowing Jesus personally. We see Mary in the scriptures. This isn't Mary Magdalene that was forgiven so much. This isn't Mary, the mother of Jesus, who knew that he was God. This was was Mary. The sister of Lazarus. 
And every time we see her in Scripture, we see her at Jesus' feet. We see her learning from him. We see her pouring out her heart to him, her sorrow, her, her pain. We see her pouring that out to him when her brother had died. We see, him, we see her worshiping him. We see her loving on him. We see her giving extravagantly to him. She spends a lot of time at the feet of Jesus. We need to spend a lot of time at the feet of Jesus. The more you spend at the feet of Jesus, the more you're going to know him. The more you know him, the more you're going to love him. The more you love him, the more you're going to selflessly devote your life to him. She knew him. We get to know Jesus through our time in his word. We get to know Jesus through our, our conversation with him, our interaction with him, from talking to him, from hearing with him. By the way, that's called prayer. And we grow in our understanding of who he is. Selfless devotion might cost you something. It comes out of love. It grows the more you know him. And it also results in action. I love this picture of, of, of Mary breaking this ointment and, and the whole house begins to have this incredible fragrance. I think it's a picture of our lives. I'm not being silly when I say, hey, can people smell the fragrance of Jesus on you? What does that smell like? I think it has to do with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness gentleness. I think it has to do with the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it smells like. It smells like the fruit of the Spirit. Does your home smell like that? Do your relationships smell like that? Selfless devotion results in action. It results in service. I, 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 I love Martha. Look, Martha gets a bad rap, doesn't she? Jesus never said that Martha serving and Martha cooking and Martha cleaning and Martha preparing food and that, that was bad? We need Marthas. I think that selfless devotion, one of the things that, 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 that flows out of that is, is serving. Action results in being a witness for Jesus. I think I said this earlier to you. The, the scriptures don't record a word that Lazarus said, but what an incredible witness he was. People looked at his life and they knew transformation had taken place. Hey folks, look. A life that is spent on selfless devotion to Jesus is never a life that's wasted. But we could look at the other side of the coin, a life spent on self, that's wasted. It has no eternal value whatsoever. This is a simple message, isn't it? I'm done. It's simple. Why do we do what we do? Motivation can only come down for the believer to two things. Self or Jesus. That's all. Those are the only choices. We can see the results of a motivation that comes from self, and we can see the results of a motivation that comes from Jesus. We can see the difference in our lives. What we do, we must do for Jesus and not ourselves. That's the proper spiritual motivation. 
Maybe, maybe I've confused you a little bit. Because I've said, I've begged, I've implored, I've pleaded, encouraged and challenged. Hey, invite somebody to Easter services. If you'll invite them, they'll come. But maybe what I haven't been clear about is, I, I, I don't want you to do that for them. Though I pray it has an incredible impact on their life. But I want the driving force behind doing that is that he's worthy of that. That that's an act of worship. <laughs> that's a demonstration of love. I can't love him and not do that. I can do that and not love him. I want to lead us in a time of prayer. I, 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 um, I want us to dedicate ourselves to him. I, I, I want us to say, Lord, um, it seems impossible to me, but I, I, I want to uh, selflessly devote myself to you. I want to do that. Maybe I'll have to do it again in 15 minutes or tomorrow or because it's it's hard but he's worthy of that don't do that because the preacher said do it do that because he's worthy of that he is God he's the creator he's our savior he's our Lord our master our teacher our lover our friend he holds all authority in his hand. There is none like him. He is worthy of our selfless devotion. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just remain seated. I want to lead you. Lord Jesus, hear our prayer. I think the first thing that we need to do in our time of prayer is, is have a time of confession because... The Bible says if we regard or give place to sin in our lives, that God won't hear our prayer. And so it's, it's not that that sin hasn't been forgiven for the believer in this room. It's that we just want to acknowledge it. We want to agree with Jesus that these things exist in our life. And, and we want to know that, we want Him to know that we want to turn from that. Turn from that and, and, and move toward Him. Would you pray a prayer like that? You, you might want to mention some things that you know he's displeased with, or maybe you just want to say, Lord, there's too many to list right now. But, but just an acknowledgement. This is a, something that, 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 that's not required for your salvation. Your sins are forgiven, believer. Past, present, and future. But oh, how the Father loves it when we come to him and say, I messed up. Would you do that? Father, we appropriate your forgiveness in our lives. We receive it. We, we experience it. It cost you everything to make that available to us. It cost you your son. He died on a cross for us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Cleanse us. Cleanse us.
Clean us. Cleanse us. Ask the Lord now in your time of prayer with Him that you would, that He would, He, he would empty you of yourself and fill you with Him. Empty you of yourself and fill you with His Spirit. Empty you of yourself. You're no longer in control. Fill you with His Spirit. He now controls you. He'll do that. He is pleased to do that. In your time of prayer, I would ask that you just simply dedicate yourself to Him. God, I'm yours. I'm yours because you're worthy. All that I have and all that I am and all that I do, you are worthy. And more and more and more and more. You are worthy. You are worthy. Pray a prayer like this. God, may you be my motivation. Jesus, may you be my motivation. Jesus, may you be why I do what I do. And Jesus, if you'll take over that part of my life, if you'll be the reason why I do what I do, then I ask that, Lord, this coming week that, that, that you'll use me. I'll be available if you'll use me. You're worthy of that. That kind of worship. You're worthy. You're worthy of me inviting someone to church. You're worthy of me sharing my testimony to someone else. You're worthy of me helping someone in need. You're, you're worthy of me serving. You're worthy. You're worthy. And if you would want to use me, I'll be available. Then we'll kind of end our prayer, our, our prayer by saying, to God be the glory. Great things He's done. That all that we do, that all that we are, may it be for the glory of God. We don't, we don't work for ourselves. We don't work for a boss. We work for Jesus. And all that we eat and all that we drink and all that we do, may it be for His glory. It's all about Him. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Let me invite you to stand. The prayer that you just prayed, if you prayed that along with us, can transform your life. Marissa's going to lead us in a short time of worship to the Lord. This is a time to ask Him if He would just seal that into your spirit, into your heart, that he would, he would seal that confession, that he would seal that forgiveness, he would, he would seal that, that commitment, that dedication of yourself to him, that he would seal that in your hearts. He will do that. He's pleased to do that. God, thank you for hearing our prayer. May it be motivated so that through our lives, or, or may it be a result of a motivation that through our lives you receive glory. May it be for you. May it be about you. I trust you for that.